Welcome to Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks, a podcast that discusses the improvement of physician engagement and physician documentation habits by focusing on the core aspects of clinical documentation integrity. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a podcast that we call Wiser Wednesday Experience Speaks. My name is Ernie De Los Santos. I am the president of Top Gun Audit School. Wiser Wednesday is a part of Top Gun Audit School, and I have with me Glenn Krause, who's one of my co-founders in Top Gun Audit School. And Glenn is, uh, I believe everybody knows him as basically, a, a he's very passionate about transforming CDI to be a lot more effective than it is today. Absolutely, Ernie. And actually, he's been doing that for quite a long time because it takes time. 27 it, years. Yeah. So... In other words, he's been in. He's been in since the beginning. He and uh, Bob Gold were in it together back when Bob Gold started all this. Yeah, back in 1997. Yeah. So, what we wanted to talk about was because uh, Glenn and I were looking at the uh, the recent OIG report uh, about uh, fee for service uh, improper payment data, and uh, we, and Glenn. You know, we looked at it and we thought, you know, there's some questions that people should be asking looking at this report. In the first place, we think CDI ought to be looking at this report, right, Glenn? But we absolutely kind of, we should be go ahead, Ernie. I was just gonna say we kind of doubt that many of them are. Yeah, absolutely. I've asked people, Ernie. I've asked uh I was at a uh uh doing a webinar a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of weeks ago and I said, How many of you folks put it in the chat box? How many of you, and be honest now, don't be lying to me. Uh, I didn't say it that way, but I wanted to. <laughs> uh, I said to them, how many of you all do, uh, how many of you uh, 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 signed up for the OIG listserv? Ernie, there were 78 people on the on the webinar. Two people signed up, with, uh, said they were on the OIG listserv. Two out of 78. That's, mm -hmm. not, a, that's not a good percentage. Yeah. Now, there ought to be more. Everybody ought to be signed up on that listserv because it's information that talks about the billing. It's all the stuff that 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 you do. It, you know, whether you're a coder or a CDI or a physician advisor or a biller, all of this stuff applies to you. And the thing that's alarming to me is how much pushback you and I get about talking to people about, you know, actually improving documentation, which is not happening. This latest report shows it's on, uh, if you look at the payment data file, it's on page 28. Uh, there's a, Now, Glenn showed this to me because he read a lot more of it than I did. But anyway, got to table D4, and it's about the, the top service types with the highest improper payments for Part A hospital IP, IPPS, inpatient prospective services. So... If you look at the bottom of that table and you look at what are the what most of the problems are coming from, what most of the denials are about, the improper payments, 59% of the whole list of the top 20, 59% of them were denied because of medical lack of medical necessity. 21% were, were denied because of insufficient documentation. Yeah. 1% had no documentation. Okay, so that's 60, 81% of, of the errors that cause denials and improper payments are from documentation. Why isn't documentation getting any better? It's not getting any better, Ernie. Listen, 
uh, Dr. Martin and I were having a discussion yesterday. He got yesterday a loan from his client, uh, 15, that's right, 15 sepsis cases that they that were paid by a commercial, well-known commercial payer, managed Medicare, and they want their money back. They said it wasn't supported by the documentation. Wow. Okay, and guess what? Not putting CDI, I'm not putting CDI down, but Ernie, every one of these cases was touched by CDI. Wow. Wow. So it just kind of shows that, you know, something's wrong, uh, you know, and, and we don't want to blame individuals. No, certainly not. People involved. We want to blame the training and the leadership is not focusing in the right area. You're That's correct. And why, why, why do you think that is, Ernie? What, do you, what are you thinking? I, I think it's because a lot of the organizations have gone on for so long focusing on case mix index which of course is about next year. And of course that's important and it is, but I think finance departments in particular look at that and think, oh, well, you need to go fix our case mix. You need to raise our case mix. Oh, you know, absolutely. Now, Ernie, uh, uh, one person I want to, uh, one person uh, uh, emailed me uh, through my website and I'm not here to advertise, but this made me feel so, I mean, I, I was almost jumping up and down, Ernie. So happy, okay? The, not from a business perspective per se, but a VP of a revenue cycle, actually have a big health system, actually reached out to me through my website and said, uh, uh, you'd like to talk to me about conducting a CDI assessment. So Dr. Martin and I scheduled a call with him about a week later. And uh, we, so we asked him, what are your needs? Why, why do you think you're, what are your interests? What are you trying to accomplish? And this is music to my ears, Ernie. He said, uh, our CDI program uh, is not, it's not giving me the return that I'm looking for. Say, hmm. so what, my next question was, well, how do you measure return? He says, well, we're measuring, uh, we're, well, we're still measuring the old fashioned traditional KPIs, task-based, number of charts reviewed, he says, but I'm getting more denials. I'm getting more clinical validation denials. Uh, my case mix index uh, uh, is not going up the way the, the, they, the CDI thinks. We're operating in a vacuum. I read your articles about operating in a vacuum and, and getting off the perpetual treadmill. Finally, Ernie, yeah. a revenue cycle professional, VP, that understands the uh, what CDI is not providing. Yeah, yeah. Don't you? I wish we had more revenue cycle professionals like that. Well, Heck. I think we we will get more and more. This is, I mean, what we're doing. I, I I remind everybody, what we're doing is a transformation. What we're doing is asking people to change the way they do things, mm -hmm. and that is going to take. I mean, it's a, there's a normal curve to how that happens. Uh, at the very beginning, you're going to get, you know, maybe 3% of the people who hear the message are going to try it out because that's, that's who they are. That's what they do. They're, they're happy to look at new stuff because they know uh, that what they're doing is not perfect. So they're looking for new things to do and they'll do it. Then the next 10 or 12% uh, of the marketplace of, of people hearing it, they'll try it out eventually because they've already seen that a few people have tried it and they'll go ahead and do it. It's not until you get above that 15% that you really start having an effect on the industry, uh, on the change, uh, and, and that'll happen. 
Now at the other end of that curve, there's a there's about there's about five or ten percent of people who then they're never going to change because they just don't. Uh, but in in the meantime, it's a slow walk going up that curve, and I think we're starting to see that, Glenn. There are more people agreeing with us. You know, when we talk about that, there are more people coming to the webinars, and I think there are more people starting to listen, uh, and so that'll help. The question that I have, yeah is why aren't you looking at this report? Why wouldn't a CDI leader look at this and say, wow, documentation is still a major issue nationwide. Let's look at our own documentation and see how that's working. What are the denials we had? Take those top 20. Shoot, take the top five and look at those or take your top five in your hospital and look at them. What did you get what did you get denials for? What was the cause of those denials? Start making a table like the OIG does and look at it yourself. Look at yourself that way. Are you brave enough to do that? Or are you not brave enough to do that? Do you just want to keep going because the boss is looking at case mix index and the number of queries sent out, the number of queries answered, and he thinks that's the way to go. I you, that case mix index has always bothered me because like you pointed out to me, a couple of years ago. Yeah. They're looking at the wrong case mix index. Yeah. It's, 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 index. They're not taking into account what money they actually got to keep. Yeah. Yeah. Doc, Dr. Jake Martin says it's not the, it's feel good money. You feel good because you have a case mix index uh, gross and you're able to wave it in front of your CFO. Uh, it's, you feel bad when you don't get the money that you thought you were going to. Just because you built for something and got a diagnosis and jacked up your relative weight in the DRG and the case mix index doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get paid. So you feel good initially. You, you pat yourself on the back. You say, hey, our program's working. This revenue cycle VP realized I'm not getting, I'm not getting, I'm not getting, I'm not, I'm not getting the money that I thought I was. Therefore, the program is not working. It's not as successful. That's what we should be asking ourselves as CDI leaders. How am I helping my hospital financially? And how am I reducing denials? How am I helping our physicians and case managers or who work with the physicians and you are so how do we help our uh, how do we help the patient get the right care at the right time with the right documentation? We will get the right payment if we do. What did I say this morning, Ernie? It's like a recipe. If you don't yeah. follow the recipe and you miss an ingredient or you put too much of one ingredient or you do too lazy to use a measuring cup, what happens? Uh, well, your your final product is not as, it's not as tasty as it should be. No. It's not going to be. It's almost like I told you, Ernie, I used, I, 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 I just too lazy to get by the measuring spoon. So I just kind of winged it on the not amount of salt. That wasn't a good idea. <laughs> no, I'm sure that didn't work out too well. And at the same recipe, I winged it on the cinnamon. It was way too much cinnamon in there. <laughs> Taste it for two days after. <laughs> I'll bet you. Well, it's sort of like uh, the same thing here. You know, you, you get too much salt uh, in there because you're not measuring things the right way. Yes. Or too, or too little salt, uh, which in this case, we're talking about too little of something. It's just not, it's not going to be right. And it's no. noticeable. Uh, if we look at the other table, uh, see, this is table E4 in that report. Yep. And it talks about 
uh, you know, this, this one is the service type improper payment rates. Uh, and at that, they're talking about, well, again, 81, 82%, 82% of, of the improper payments uh, happen because of poor documentation. Yeah. Coding is in there, but coding's nowhere near. I mean, it's only like 17. And, and think about coding. I'm a coder by trade. Okay. Coding is only as good as the documentation. I mean, there's a, the, um, if you think about principal diagnosis, chief reason after study uh, that occasioned the uh, mission. Okay. Well, it's hard to, it's hard, sometimes it's rather difficult because I still do some coding now and then to keep my skills up. Okay, it's hard to it's hard to just confidently assign a principal diagnosis when it's not clear what brought the patient in from a documentation standpoint. So we don't, we're at the mercy of documentation. So we may have a coding. I think on that report, sepsis was quite high on the list of improper payments from for coding. Uh, and uh, but so so in that bucket, you have we assigned it a, a diagnosis of sepsis. Uh, 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 with major CC or not, uh, and it's in the chart and it's consistently documented. Uh, uh, and but the clinical picture of the actual patient story, not the clinical indicators, may not support it. But we're, we we're left to either query the physician, which puts us in a in a kind of a tough situation. Uh, dear doctor, are you sure this is sepsis? Uh, and you think that's that's not a way to to uh, win friends and influence people. <laughs> Hello, doctor, are you sure this is sepsis? You may want to go back to the Cecil or Harrison's textbook and check out what sepsis is. That's no. Not a good idea. No. Not a good idea, so we're kind of stuck. Uh, uh, or, or, and if you have CDI going back and asking, that's too late. We need yeah. to uh, we, we need to not queriate uh, uh, that Jake, Dr. Martin says, let's stop querying and educating instead. Okay, so that's my dissertation on why coding may not necessarily be a true coding issue. It could be some, but it's uh, it's a it's a gray area because we have insufficient documentation a lot of times. Well, and 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 here was something that we wanted to, to point out that, uh, and Glenn looked up uh, the DRGs listed here. It's footnote number three. On the main on the main OIG report. Now, don't just read the 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 short version of the report because you're not going to learn much from that. No, read the whole report. Look at the whole report. Look for the things that matter and that you think matter, you know, to you. I can tell you right now, this this footnote number three matters if you're involved in a revenue cycle anywhere. Okay, because it says basically that they they calculated this rate through the CERT program, blah blah blah, and based on their analysis, they identified the top 10 DRGs most at risk for billing errors. So here they are, and Glenn, Glenn looked up what they are. Uh, so you tell them, Glenn. Uh, okay, well, okay, so. The, uh, one, DRG 149, what's that's, that? That's uh, 149 is uh, disequilibrium. So we're looking to get to move the, we're, we're looking to move, uh, move, we're looking to move the, the, uh, the DRG out of disequilibrium. No, before you even get to that, let's look to see, do we have a good patient story or why the patient is in needs a hospital level of care as an inpatient? Uh, most of the time, a disequilibrium is not an inpatient level of care. Could be observation, 
but uh, the other one was what, 312, Ernie? Yeah, 312 and 313. Okay, 312, 312 is uh, chest pain. Uh, syncope, syncope and collapse and yeah. chest pain. So we've well, 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 been conditioned, like Pablo's dog there, uh, to look uh, to see if we can uh, identify any additional diagnosis or provisional diagnosis. Is it an MI? Is it costochondritis? Is it anxiety? Before we even get there, we should be looking at the ED and the H&P to say, what is the severity of illness? What is the severity of signs and symptoms? What is the risk of uh, untoward or um, medical predictability of an adverse event? Okay, is syncope and collapse, could it be pulmonary embolism? Okay, that could be the 18% of the time, syncope and collapse is the presenting sign or symptom for pulmonary embolism, okay? Mm -hmm. So uh, we're, we're looking to move or shift these DRGs. That's right, that's okay with me. We need to start on square one. Right. Well, how's the documentation to support the, in what's the next one, Ernie? Uh, five, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. That's oh, uh, th those are those are spine. Those are uh, a back and neck procedures except spinal fusion with major CC. Uh, uh, yeah. without yeah. CC. What's five twenty? Five twenty yeah. is back and neck procedures without. Okay, with without. without yeah, yeah, but well, yeah. So those are pretty much uh, those could be potentially coding issues maybe we put the incorrect pcs procedure code and we we got into a except spinal fusions when we should have been in spinal fusions what's the next one 947 uh no uh 742 and 743 this one was uh, even even i looked at that like why is this an out an impact and ernie's not clinical and he figured it out go ernie <laughs> it's just like i know because I know, I, I, you know, I know females who have had hysterectomies. Those were always, I mean, I think that's included in this, right? Yeah, the uterine, uterine, uterine and then next year procedures for non, uh, so anything uterine related, okay? Yeah, they're outpatient. Outpatient. Why do we have them as an inpatient? Don't ask me. Uh, uterine and that non-malignancy. So should that be inpatient? Not necessarily. Maybe there's observation. Maybe it's, it's an outpatient in the bed day procedure that transformed into observation, or maybe they had a, a tremendous acute blood loss anemia, and we had to fill, fill their tank up. But you could should that be a outpatient procedure, inpatient, not necessary? And the last one was what, 947, Ernie? 947, 948, which is, that one's weird to me. No diagnosis? Yeah, signs and symptoms with major C. Okay, listen to this, Ernie. If you have a sign or symptom, an R code, uh, and then you come up with a major CC, something tells me that you you sequence it that way because the major C was a sign or symptom uh, 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 or uh, a diagnosis of major C, a major, uh, a, ma a major CC, uh, uh, without any, uh, without a, 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 let's say pulmonary embolism or hypothetically some acute condition, it probably should be sequenced first. But because you have the major CC uh, supporting the signs and symptoms, it's a 1.1, and then, and you, and so. You probably have just one major CC and the payer can knock that major CC off 
and then you'd have a sign and symptom without a major CC, and that's a 0.78 under 2021. So basically, if you come in with a sign and symptom and don't come up with a provisional, even a provisional diagnosis to be worked up as an outpatient that can be coded as, as if it existed under coding rules in the inpatient, then you kind of wonder uh, where, what happened to the diagnosis, Ernie? Yeah. Now there's, now there's something, that, and I brought this up earlier when we were talking about it, because I looked at some of this and I thought, well, even like in the case of a hysterectomy, okay, supposedly those are outpatients and typically somebody goes home the same day. Now, uh, it may be that they have some, uh, 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 you know, extended bleeding or something and they have to stay in. But, you know, I think that's kind of rare and, and perhaps they, they are able to they are able to justify keeping them in the hospital for or wherever they are for two midnights. So they, they, they meet the two midnight presumption. But that's kind of, you know, that's a big question. You're going to have to look at the documentation and find out, is there anything there to support that? They're staying there like that. And those kinds of procedures, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that's like. I don't know anybody who's ever had that. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. But the, the, the another footnote by the OIG that says that, yes, although CMS tells its Medicare contractors, they have to use, the, they have to follow the two midnight presumption so that they don't focus reviewing uh, stays spanning two or more midnights after a formal inpatient admission, unless there's evidence of gaming or something. Well, the OIG says we are not constrained by that presumption and selecting our claims for review. So it may be that the OIG is pointing at something that you are entirely uh, justified in doing. But the question is, what's in the documentation? Yeah, isn't, isn't the name of a profession clinical documentation integrity, Ernie? Yeah, or improvement or whatever. You know. uh, I don't think D stands for diagnosis, does it? Clinical diagnosis improvement? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, you know, that might be a, that might be a good blog. I think I'm going to do a blog on that. Clinical diagnosis improvement. Because you think about it, what's, what's the hallmark of CDI? It's queries. What are you querying for? Not to say hello, you're querying for a diagnosis. Yeah. Yeah. No clarification of one. God forbid the record should uh, support the diagnosis. You know, one last thing only I want to say about this in closing is that if you haven't, if you're not on the OIG's list, uh, that's a crying shame. You need to be. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you you can look at the. You can get you get. Uh, I get, I look forward to receiving uh, their news. Their uh, information doesn't come every day, but sometimes you have a work plan. Uh, a monthly work plan update. I look at it quickly. If there's nothing related to CDI, I put it. In, I delete it. If there's something related to physicians like critical care, or they're looking at uh, issues of E and M, or maybe um, uh, 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 medical necessity for E and M, I share with with my physician. I, I we want to be conduits uh, as colleagues. We don't want to just be harassing physicians. And I want to. I want. I want to. The last thing say. Do take, do take, uh, do look at this report. If uh, uh, Ernie, can we post it on? We can post it on the Top Gun Auto School, right? Yeah, we can. We can. Probably, we'll send it out to people on our on our listserv. Uh, and also, um, you know, if you want to go find this yourself, just just go to oig.hhs.gov, uh, and you can find all the reports. You can find the latest one there. They're not hard to get 
Uh, and there you can subscribe to their, to their listserv uh, so you get these reports sent to you. And then take time to don't just look at the, frankly, the, the overview or whatever is just sort of their way of saying, well, we did this, here's why we did it, and here's kind of what we found. And yeah, and the one thing I, I want to call your attention to page, uh, Appendix B, Statistical Sampling Methodology Sampling Frame. And if you go to page 15 and 16, it gives you uh, the selected risk areas, inpatient claims build with cert higher error codes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Inpatient claims build with high severity level DRGs. They define what that means. Inpatient mechanical ventilation claims. Outpatient. You tell me you don't have a lot of those lately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They tell you how they selected, why their risk areas. So with stratum, they tell you uh, stratum one includes claims for all inpatient risk areas, risk areas one through four with, uh, with payments total payments less than $13,000. So what they're saying is they have a high weighted, uh, you have a, uh, you have a high weighted DRG with payments less than $13,000. Okay. And then they give you a stratum two uh, includes claims from all inpatient high, uh, risk areas with total payments greater than 13,000 and less than 31,000. And then they give stratum three, stratum three is uh Claims from all inpatient risk areas with total payments great. We should be drilling down further uh, in a proactive denials prevention strategy and not just say, hey, we're trying to get more money through our case mix. We want to be able to keep the money that we're supposed to get. That's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't worry about feel-good money because feel-good uh, I'm feeling good because I got paid today. I spent all my money. I feel bad. I can't pay the rent. Yeah. Well, and it's just, you know, the last thing I wanted to say was just looking at, if you look at uh, uh, page 18 of the report, there's a table three of the sample results and it shows that the OIG pulled a hundred claims in those stratums uh, and uh, 37 were, they claim were incorrectly billed. Now, how many of those, you know, they didn't look at the documentation, they just looked at them. Uh, how many of those, uh, you know, how would you do against that kind of a pull? Yeah. Would you have that kind of percentage of questionable claims? It's a, it's a good thing to go figure out. It's a good thing to look at. And, and don't be afraid of it. It's not a matter of, well, who's at fault for this? Oh, gosh, I'm, I'm not doing so great. The question is, what can you learn from it? All these things are things you can learn. I think your job is supposed to be every day to learn something new. And you can do it if you want to. It's not hard. Well, I want to close promise, Ernie, with one last thing. Right. Uh, if you have a certification in CCDS or CDIP, uh, that, uh, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I think it's great. I have a CCDS. I'm going to be taking the CDIP. That's my goal before the end of the year. OK, but to me, that's just a starting point that just tells you that you tells that tells the individual or the employer that I have the basic tenet, uh, tenets of being a CDI. You, I, I open up my eyes every day trying to learn something new that's going to help my help me personally and my employer. I work for myself uh, and I've I've gotten to where I am today because I have an insatiable appetite to uh, move 
uh, CDI along its way. And I'm hoping, Michael, Ernie, with Top Gun, working with you and Dr. Martin and uh, Deborah Gardner-Brown and uh, 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 Robin Sewell, who has a uh, Cleopatra uh, Canals um, a Management Avoidance uh, Solution, uh, who I made to contact with all these individuals. We want CDI to really prosper to really help our hospitals survive. We've done what? A couple of webinars on helping our hospitals survive. More than and, a couple. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that sounded good, a couple. And uh, in any case, uh, uh, there was something on Becker's recently, seven hospitals I've closed within the, since the beginning of the year. That's only seven hospitals that we know of. There's three hospitals in Tennessee that closed since January 1st. Uh, and so how many of these were due to being not not only, but contributed to poor revenue cycle, revenue cycle is fundamental to, uh, is fundamental uh, to survival. Uh, and what's, what supports the revenue cycle? Processes of documentation is the, is the hallmark. Without documentation, you can't bill, you can't code, you can't justify care. So folks, please, if you haven't checked the Top Gun Audit School and you haven't become a member, uh, please, uh, how much is it, Ernie? $125 a year for everything we do. And that includes our, uh, that includes recorded versions and all the resources we have. We're, yeah. not try we're not trying to get rich. I'm trying to advance CDI. Uh, I don't make, I don't make, uh, Ernie, you can, yeah, I can speak for myself. I ain't getting rich. Uh, I'm not either. <laughs> okay. We just, we are, we're on a, we're on a crusade. So please check it out. We, uh, we have, uh, we have what, uh, CDI golds on there. We had a great one. What, uh, was it last week before last? Yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, uh we done so many of those. Please consider joining because if you were truly dedicated to the profession of CDI, you'll want to join. Uh, uh, you know, our CDI goals are once a month uh, and they're free to attend. And then uh, you, the Ernie makes it available for listening after for what, two or three days. Yeah. Uh, if you're yeah. a member, you can listen to it anytime. I think we have what, Ernie? Over 20 webinars recorded? Yes, yeah. That's just on Top Gun. Top Gun. So connected, connected well, join Top Gun and I'll connect you with Finally Friday as well. Yeah, this is great. I'm on Finally Friday, yeah. Okay, so that's our advertisement for the day. Ernie, anything, any last um, words for you? Uh, no, just um, like I said, I think uh, all of you ought to consider all of this stuff as an opportunity to learn. Don't consider it as an opportunity to find out what you're doing wrong. Find yeah. out how you can do better. That's right. Better, more, more efficient, better processes is the key to survival in our profession, collectively and individually. And it's definitely a key to hospitals and health systems staying in business. The volumes are increasing. People are now coming back to the hospital for elective surgeries. They're coming to uh, urgent care. Uh, uh, we want to get paid for the care provided. And like Dr. John Zellum, of uh, Streamline uh, Solutions Consulting, uh, as always says, yeah. hospitals and providers deserve to get paid for the care provider. Yeah. They're taking on liability for malpractice. 
We need to get paid. We are tra we're nonprofit, but we still have to have a profit if we're and keep our mission. Thank you, Ernie, for putting up with me for such a long time. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for coming along with me, Glenn. Hey, this is a great thank ride. You, everyone. Yeah, and we'll see you on the next Wiser Wednesday. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. take care. Bye-bye. Keep up the fights. <laughs>